Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hi, and welcome once again to History Tweets. I am Tim. And the topic of our podcast today is the murder of Sylvia Likens. It's a disturbing story. Um, we'll get into all the details of it, but it was a grisly story um, that occurred in Indianapolis, Indiana, back in the mid-1960s. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll get into that, but before we well, do... Well, of course we're going to get into it. What the fuck do you think we're sitting here for? Wow. <laughs> He said twice, we're going to get into it. Well, that's a, that's a heads up to our audience that you're going to ramble for a while. Oh, okay. About nothing. Oh. And then eventually we'll come back to the topic that people tune in to listen. That's fair enough. All right. I'm proud to introduce the very lovely and talented, the Queen of Mean, the Empress of Evil, the uh, Satan's Dirty Little Secret, Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? Great, Timmy. How are you? I am feeling lethargic today. I'm a little tired. tired. I'm a little tired. I'm well, you probably tired. still got the jet lag. Yeah, yeah. No, well, not so much the jet lag, but yeah, I've just been tired. I don't know. I'm just tired. Did Clara just wear you out when you was there? Oh, uh, she did. Gross. No, we had a wonderful time. Clara and I had a wonderful time, and it was beautiful. And but he doesn't like the beach. No, he I'm not a big fan of the beach. You get you get sand everywhere, and then you it, it, you put you put your shoes on the blanket, and the sand will blow up on them. You still get sand in your shoes, even if you don't wear. It's a whole mess. I'm not a big fan of the beach. I do like the pool. I don't swim in it, of course, but I like the looking at the pool. I got a question for you, Devil. Now you have you're not introduced yet. Okay, introduce me so I can ask the Devil the question. Okay, please. we are also joined by the very distinguished and honorable. A man of God, the Reverend Sir, Sir Charles Beauregard, Colonel Charles, whatever, Chuck. Well, I, you kind of just you fucked up your whole introduction. Yeah. Okay, the Honorable Colonel Charles Beauregard, Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Charles? I'm wonderful today, Timmy. Thank you for asking. Now that I've been officially introduced and properly... Uh, Address. Put forward to our, our listeners. Yeah. I would like to ask the devil a question. What? Now, you have fornicated in many places. What? Have you ever done it on the beach? Oh, no. No. That's no. the one place you haven't done it, then. Because really? there's sand, right? Oh. You know, people make it out to be all romantic. 
Oh, no, no, no. Like from here to eternity? That saying gets everywhere. Yeah. That saying gets everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. I, you know, so, listeners, if you have any romantic notions about doing it on the bed, don't do it. Well, you know, it's the same don't way for it. the shower. I mean, or in the bath. I mean, it's it's all just too much trouble. I mean, you know, you, it's, it's wet, and then you, you, you're rubbing up against each other, and you're wet. It, it sounds good in, on paper. <laughs> it looks good on paper, in theory. Well, the paper be all wet if you was in the shower. I'm just saying, if you're reading porn, it sounds good. Or if you're, you know, watching it, someone else do it on TV or and through their window or whatever. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're actually actually participating in it, it's not as um, it's it's it, it's not as it's not as erotic as it. You know what I got a problem with, Timmy? What? And and I kangaroos having three vaginas. Well. That's another problem altogether, but... I gave you that information. You did? It's hard on your knees doing it in the shower, in the bathtub. I mean, just the lit, holding the weight and shifting, and then you got to worry about slipping, and yeah, most it, accidents happen in the bathtub. And, you know, Renee's trying to keep dunking your head under the water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Colonel, you got any shout-outs? Um, I, got a, I got a bunch of shout-outs. All right. Um, I got a nice email from Stuart Benton. Mm-hmm. Um, like to thank him for that. Okay. Um, he's definitely on Team Colonel. Um, Jeff Chestnut. We haven't given Jeff a shout out in a while, have we? No. Is he the hot dog eating champion? Is he? I don't know. I think his name's Jeff Chestnut. It is. Is it? I don't yes. think it's the same one, but it would be cool um, if it was. It would be really That would cool. be cool. Let's see. Of course, we got uh, uh, Kim Taylor and her two two little children there. One's a little stub baseball player. Mm-hmm. Um, Cindy Lou. Cindy, very active on our page. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I forgot to write her name down. She's a new member, Sarah. Yeah, Sarah. Sarah with the crazy last name. It's Spaghetti, Sarah Spaghetti. <laughs> it's not Sarah Spaghetti. But um, Sarah, yes, uh, our new, uh, maybe not a new listener, but a new, uh, uh, new member of... Uh, the History Podcast page group. Yeah. yeah. Sarah Spaghetti. Thank you, Sarah. Don't listen to him. Um, Laura? Uh, let's see. We got Trisha Hillard. Yes. And you know, Trisha originally is Cincinnatian. Uh, yeah, I, knew, I mean, I didn't know. No, I didn't know that. But does she live nearby? I thought she still lived nearby here. Um, I know, Timmy, and, and this is something that um, I don't want to out her. Yeah. Um, she lives in St. Louis. Ah, uh, okay. Um. And you know, she. Uh, I, I seen something. I don't like to judge people. Yeah, you do. You know, um, but now think about a person who's lived in Cincinnati almost all their life, Timmy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it. And, and Sarah, right your name starts with a S Z. Tsunami. Sarah Tsunami. Samosa. Samosa. Tsunami. Just stop. Anyway, thank Just you for telling us, Sarah. So anyway, uh, Trish. Um, Sent firm requests to us, as as many many people do. But then you know what I saw posted on the girls' page, Timmy. What? And I thought this this is a lovely woman, nice listener, whatnot. You know what I saw posted on the page? What? Her wearing a cardinal shirt, Timmy. Oh, that's well. She's in Lebanon. No, there's no excuse for that. She lives. In you Saint come Lewis. from Cincinnati, you don't ever put a cardinal shirt on. Well. We, we're, we're glad you're listening anyway, Trish. Well, uh, we don't like the Cardinals. Who else? Shannon Rossard. Yes, um, Shannon. 
Shannon. Um, of course, the Lone Wolf, Scotty J. Scotty J, Lone Wolf. Um, Allie and Charlie. Allie and Charlie. The um, They're like the twins. We're just going to say Allie and Charlie. Okay. Um, Tara and Trixie. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvin, of course. And we like to give a shout out to. And Mike. by the way, Marvin, uh, Marvin got, uh, got uh, is entering a honors program. Oh, so, no kidding! Yeah, congratulations! Okay. Absolutely. Um, and we'd like to give a shout out to Michael and Sydney's new dog. Do you see the picture? That I did. Cutest damn thing you ever seen. Yeah. Um, Michael Brussel and Sydney Saint. Lady Beverly, of course, whose daughter is uh, looking at Cambridge. I- University in. Uh, she can't go anywhere in Europe now. <laughs> well, she's br- apparently just a brilliant, brilliant young girl. Um, and I would like to give a special birthday shout out to our favorite listener, really? Dottie Scott. Dottie's got an upcoming birthday. Now, she I don't does. know how old Dottie is. I've seen a profile picture. I'm guessing about 52, 53. Yeah, well, you'd be wrong. Uh, but happy birthday, Mom. I mean, she's just as old as Tim. <laughs> Because that's a trick. That's oh, a yeah. trick. That, that would be a trick. Dottie's a very, very spry, um, whatever she is. But, Dottie, we wish you, we hope we, you have a, just a <laughs> wonderful birthday. And uh, we hope Timmy doesn't try to kill you again before, between now and your birthday. Yeah. And uh, also, Katja had a birthday this week. Katja, happy birthday to you. Uh, Brittany and uh, got a promotion at work. Brittany uh, Chacon. And I think her and Chris bought a new house. Oh, so, so they're just living large. They're like the Beverly Hillbillies. They're like the Jeffersons. They're just moving on up. I have a shout-out. Okay. Who's your shout-out? Well, Chuck takes up all the time. Yeah. But M. Oh, M. M. From uh, Sherwood Forest over there. In yes. The yes. M. Waterfall. Who ma- yes, who made a hurtful Trump joke. At America's expense. <laughs> that was my fault because I put something up there about the British Revolution on the yeah and uh, Independence Day. It's hurtful. Oh and well, we don't we don't joke about Trump being president <laughs> <laughs> ever. It's so scary. We got three new members of the church. Um, Ugh, of your church, Day Cardinal, yeah. And then we decided to. I got another side business going on, Timmy. You know what? I, what I what I'm reading about. You know, uh, I, I hope it'd be podcasting. That would be great. <laughs> well, no, be just great. Apparently, there's a lot of older women out there. Being Timmy. on time. Huh? Being on time. Being on time. <laughs> Being on time. Reading there's the script. There's a lot. There's a lot of older women out there, Timmy. That just ain't getting the attention they need. Okay. So. We're opening up. It's an annex at the church at the Latter-day Colonel. Okay. And it's called the Colonel's Love Den. Gross. And so what services are you providing? There is not enough Clorox in the for world. For $14.95, Was that in get, addition to the $14.95 we've already paid you to save my soul for the month? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just checking. $29.95. The same. I mean, you could either be saved and, and be a member of the Colonel's Love Den or feed one of those kids in Africa and take care of one of Sarah McLaughlin's dogs. Now, you make the choice. I want to take care of Sally Field's kids. Or so, Sally. That's Sally Field. Sally, Sally Field. Struthers. Sally Struthers, yes. And as we said before, Sally Struthers, if she wanted to help those kids. <laughs> give, them they, give them your goddamn Twix parts out. <laughs> I, well, well, I know. Just let me eat you. You know, just throw yourself. <laughs> 
Love her heart. Put her ass on a spit. I mean, she, <laughs> she's pitiful. She, she really is for months. No, she's pitiful. She's the village. So anyway, what this gets you, the fourteen ninety five per month. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's the Colonel's basic love package. What does that include? It's so grossed out. It is. This is your package. Tw- Tell us about your package. Tw- no. Twice a month, <laughs> you get five minutes of intense servicing from the Colonel. Plus, <laughs> plus, oh, it doesn't stop there. Oh, if you call now. <laughs> yes. You Girl, get, that might be illegal. <laughs> you get... I, I didn't pass the bar, as Randy <laughs> would point out. But no, he did not. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's illegal. At least in poor taste. If you call now and tell them the colonel sent you, you get an additional five minutes of cuddling afterwards. Ugh. Now, do you spoon? Come on. How do you do that? I let them pick. They could lay their head on my chest. We could spoon. Whatever they want. Oh, that involves you know? physically touching you? Um... Come on, devil. You know you're getting all tingly thinking about saving up your $15 no, you know, now. You know Come how on. I am about my bubble. <laughs> she's got she's got her um, she's got her calculator out there. It's a quirk. See, it is. I know she's like, mm. yeah. but it really how can is. we make this work? It's $14.95. I don't wonder so. how we can make it work. <laughs> it's not, I do not wonder at all. So what uh, the colonel, it's a holistic approach to taking Healing. care of your spirit and your body. Right. I mean. So, so you're meeting all the ladies' needs. Yeah. Because, you know, what? if nothing else, what is the colonel? The well, ladies' man. An asswipe. Ladies' man. Oh, ladies' man. Ladies' yeah. man. Well, colonel, I'm sure that uh, your phone will be ringing off the hook. Fucking phone. cock splat. That's so nasty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our secret word of the day. I slid it right in there, didn't you I? You did. Cock splat. And that was brought to us by... Donna. Donna. Yeah, thank you, Donna, for our... It's so um, nasty. Um, okay, so let's get into the story, shall we? we so, yeah, let's talk about um, Sylvia Likens. It's a tragic story. And we're getting, like, you know, I posted something on the um, History Dweebs, the podcast group. Colonel, is that your phone? Uh, that's a listener calling in right now, Timmy. Hold on, let me get these. Really? Hello. This is the Colonel. I'm podcasting right now. Send me an email at thelovecolonel.com, and we will get right back to you. Thank you. Is that your voicemail? That was our first first caller. That's 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 pretty good advertising here, too. And only. Yeah. I'm sure that, uh, yeah, I'm sure it won't be the last one. Okay. That was stupid. <laughs> Sylvia Likens. Listen, this story, as I, I was talking about on the, um, I posted, you know, on the podcast page, this is probably one of the more disturbing stories that we've done. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but. I saw the movie. Yeah, there was a movie made. I didn't see the movie, but. I did. It was um, awful. This is, a, it was, it's a true story. It's a very disturbing story. Um, and I don't know why this story is more disturbing than... I mean, I know we do some pretty gross stories, cover some pretty gross stuff. And maybe you guys don't feel this way, but I just feel that this, for some reason, this one is especially... This one bothered brutal. you more than it bothered me. And, I, and and it's not that it doesn't bother me. It's just that you have ex- you come to expect just a certain amount of vileness from humans. And this is no I, more... 
And I think maybe, uh, you know, and we're, and we're titling, you know, how we use legal title, the story about the serial killer, right? Or the person, the yeah. killer or whatever. And in this case... Uh, yeah, it's really more about the victim. It's really about the victim because uh, she had more than one person that was tormenting her. She had a, you know, she had a whole neighborhood that was tormenting her, basically. There was... Uh, one lady it was particularly involved but um, sad story um, so we'll get into it we're you know we're you know we will, can we, we can we get into it? well let's just go right on to let's jump right in it okay let's talk about Sylvia Likens Sylvia Likens was born on January 3rd 1949 so right after the new year 1949 she was almost a new year baby she was the third child of Lester and his wife Elizabeth Likens, who they, they who worked, both of them worked as carnival. They were carnies. They, they were, were carnies. carnies. Yeah. They worked at traveling carnival. They was so they were you know they they were poor. Um, she was bet- she was born between two sets of fraternal twins. Uh, Diana uh, and Danny were the two older were two years older, and Jenny and Benny. Uh, where you're younger. Or they had those names so they can rhyme. I never know why they do that. People do that for them. I guess it sounds cute when they're kids. You know why? Because, you know, when your mom gets mad, she just starts hollering out everybody's name. Everybody's name. Yeah. Then it just sounds like you. Okay. Um, the Jenny, her younger sister, um, was disabled. She had polio. And um, she is also involved in a story we'll, we'll get to in just a minute. Um, Sylvia's parents' uh, marriage was a bit unstable. As we said, they moved frequently because they were in the carny business. I don't know what they did in the carnival. Maybe they, maybe they. I think they uh, did ring toss. Uh, I think they did like they set up and tore it down, and oh, they did a lot of that kind of. I stuff. I was hoping maybe they would like you know they did the ring toss and the mole game, you know, whack a mole, whack a mole. I think that that's the kind okay. Of you say you think they pretty much were setting you know the roadies that set up the tents. I think they were roadies, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they were always always traveling. And um, the kids were forced a lot of times to live with relatives or their grandmother uh, while, while the parents were on the road, um, you know, because they had to go to school and stuff. So they would, the parents tried to find a stable environment for them. Um, and in 1965, uh, Sylvia, who was then 16 years old, and her sister Jenny, the younger one, the younger sister who had polio, they were uh, living in with their parents in Indianapolis, living with their mother in Indianapolis, Betty. And uh, Betty was arrested for shoplifting, and she got uh, put into the can, um, sent to jail for shoplifting. Put in a can? Yeah. So that kind of put Lester, who was traveling with the uh, traveling with the uh, carnival. Put him in a bad spot because he had these kids he had to take care of, and uh, he had no nothing, you know, he had nowhere to put them. So uh, Sylvia had become friends with Paula Bankowski, um, and Paula Bankowski was 17 years old at the time. Banzuski? No, it's Bankowski. Okay. Uh, and. She was 17 years old, so Sylvia was 16, right? So they were, you know, around the same age. They had become friends. They got to know each other a little bit. 
And uh, Paula had six siblings. Stephanie, 15, John, 12, Marie, 11, Shirley, 10, James, 8, and then she had an infant, uh, Dennis, uh, a brother named Dennis, who was just a few months old. Damn, see, he just wore that thing out. Well, his, the mother was Gertrude, or Gertie, and she uh, she was poor. Um, she was a single mom, and she just made her living kind of uh, doing housekeeping or laundering or... Um, odd jobs. Odd jobs, babysitting. Well, Lester, uh, when Lester met uh, Gertie, um, he offered to pay her $20. I've seen different amounts, $20 a week and then $20 a month to take care of the girls. I'm guessing it was $20 I'd a month. I'd say 20 a month. Connie's didn't make. No, and this was 1965, so... yeah. That would have been, if it was $20, $20 back then, it's close to 100 now. So, I mean, it was still a lot of money, but, you know, he offered to pay the, her to take care of Jenny and her, or, um, I'm sorry, Sylvia and her little, her younger sister, Jenny, the one that had polio. Well, she had seven kids in the house, so, you know, why not, right? What's two oh, more? Yeah, what's two more? And you're going to have, um, you know, you're going to have, uh, uh, some money coming in, which she didn't have, uh, other than what she was making, babysitting and doing odd jobs, as Brandy said. Now, Lester was n- did not, you know, fully investigate the situation with Gertrude. Well, for twenty dollars a month, what are you going to get references? Well, he probably should have. Uh, had he done so, he would discover that Gertrude's home had no stove or microwave. There were only enough beds for half the people in the house. The only things Gertrude kept in the pantry were bread and crackers. That the most of the services of the home were caked with thick layers of dirt and only enough plates and eating utensils for three people. In fact, that they would have to, uh, instead of, this is gross, instead of washing the plates, they were often just flip them over. Oh, yeah. Okay, well... Uh, if they would have had a dog, they could got the dog to lick the plate clean. Yeah. Well, so anyway, um, they make this agreement with Gertrude to watch their kids, right, to take care of Sylvia, who is 16, and uh, Jenny, who's 15. Have you ever seen an attractive Gertrude? No. Well, we were talking about that earlier. Have you ever seen an attractive Lester? No, but that's a that's the guy Brandy's going to. Oh, no, she gonna end up with a lesser or a Lanny. Lanny, yeah, works down at the uh, the car wash. Now, what would he say uh, on uh, Jif, uh, Jiffy Lube one or a Pet Boys? <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> you're gonna end up. Living with Lanny, because Dave is eventually going to get wise to you. He's going to get tired of you. I mean, Dave's a good Christian man. He is, and he's tolerated your nonsense for a long, long time, girl. But he's going to get tired of you at some point. And when he does, you're going to end up with Lanny, greasy-haired Lanny, Mm -hmm. down at the Pet Boys. Oh my God! (laughs) (laughs) But he'll have plenty of time with you because he for you because he only works part time. (laughs) True, twelve hours a week. the fuck? <laughs> He's got a job. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, let's uh, talk a little bit about Gertrude Benikowski. Gertrude Benikowski. Gertie. Gertie, as uh, she would become known, uh, was born Gertrude Van Fossen 
1929. Oh, a German Gertrude. See, she, I don't want no part of that. She was the third of six children. Um, little was known about her childhood except that she shared extremely close bond with her father and but had a frigid relationship with her mother. Uh, a wedge was driven uh, between her and her mother even further when her father died suddenly when Gertrude was 11 years old. Five years later, at 16, she dropped out of school and married an 18-year-old deputy named John Banikowski, uh, whom, by whom she had four children. So this is the first four of her seven. Uh, had John Banikowski had a uh, volatile temper, and he would often beat his wife uh, for annoying him. Well, yeah. <laughs> I wish you could beat the two of you for annoying me. You know, that was back... See, when they're talking about making America great again, I think that's what we're talking about. You could just slap the hell out of your wife if she burned a tuna casserole. I think that's what they're getting at. Okay, I see. Because now these days, I mean, you just say one harsh word and you're locked up and thrown in the can. In the can, as you like to call it. (laughs) In the can. God. Uh, The two stayed together. Uh, Gertrude and John stayed together for 10 years, eventually getting a divorce. She, uh, Gertrude was granted custody of their children. Uh, within a year of divorce, Gertrude met and married another man named Edward Guthrie. Uh, she divorced, divorced him after three months when he uh, got tired of having her children around. Shortly thereafter... Her kids were assholes. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine Gertrude wasn't no prize. Well, yeah, no. Have you seen photos of her? Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't. Is she a handsome woman? No, no. she ain't even a handsome... She you know looks what? like... She looks... I mean, it looks like she's almost... Um, a man? No, no I, I mean, I'm wondering if she had, like, bulimia or something. I mean, she, she looks... If you look at... I mean, she was a carny, Timmy. She had to... Fold no, she wasn't a carny. She wasn't a carny. The... Uh, the parents. Oh, the parents were. Yeah, yeah. parents were the parents. But okay. shortly, anyway, you're getting confused. Shortly thereafter, Gertrude and John reconciled. Remember the, the the guy, the cop that beat her up that she had four kids with. They reconciled and remarried. So you know, love. Yeah. So she should have never married somebody named the Enforcer. To me, that was her bag. The couple stayed together for seven years and had two more children before finally divorcing permanently in 1963, uh, the year that John Kennedy died. And I was born. Around this time, uh, the 37-year-old Gertrude began having an affair and moved in with a 23-year-old man named Dennis Lee Wright. Oh, that's just scandalous. Yeah, so she's uh, doing, you know, she's being a, uh, what do you call him? A um, cougar. Cougar, yeah. Speaking of cougars. Yeah. Devil. What? How how often do you uh, fantasize fantasize about younger men? I don't fantasize about men at all because there's one up my ass. Oh, that's right. Twenty four seven. We forgot she was a lesbian. Why fantasize? Okay. How often do you fantasize about younger women? <sighs> Just I'm curious. I'm trying to get to know you. Uh, see, I reach out an olive branch of friendship, ask you some questions. I'm whoop the shit out of you with this olive branch see, of friendship. This is what you get when you try to deal with her, Timmy. No, yeah. it's scandalous. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So anyway, she uh, Gertrude is banging this 23-year-old Dennis Wright. She becomes pregnant by him twice, suffering one uh, miscarriage. Uh, 
then she gave birth to Dennis Jr. Uh, that would be her last child, seventh and final child. Uh, she had seven children and six miscarriages, so she could have had 13 children, I suppose, if all had went well. But shortly after Dennis's Jr.'s birth, uh, Dennis Wright Sr., he hit the road, disappeared. So leaving her destitute and having to support herself and seven children. Now, this is back in the day when there wasn't a lot of you know, welfare and public services and things. So in order to support herself and her kids, she would perform these odd jobs and babysitting, doing laundry for people. And um, so when... There probably some of that going on too. Yeah. So when she met, uh, so when she met, uh, met Sylvia's dad, you know, they wrote a song about Sylvia's mother. Doctor Hook did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When what's, she, what's the name of the song? Sylvia's mother. Sylvia's mother. Oh, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. Sing it for me. <laughs> so anyway, sing it. I've been banned from singing on the show. <laughs> so anyway, Tim's been singing the Crayberries all morning. Sing the song. In the uh, interest of time, we will move on. <laughs> In the interest of time, he flaps his fucking cock holster for 20 minutes about bullshit. Uh, and now I'm asking a legit fucking question. You sing the goddamn song, and I get, In the interest of time. Well, I mean. In the interest of time, don't let him stop to ask me lesbian questions. Well, if you would just answer one lesbian question once in a while. I can't answer lesbian questions. So, Brandy, what happens when uh, when uh, Gertrude starts, uh, when Sylvia and Jenny move into Gertrude's home? Why don't you tell us? Gertrude. She, Gertie's a bitch. That's what happens. <laughs> she is. Yes, she is. So, um, you know, the first week that they were there, the, their lives, everything was fine. They just, they went to high school, they came home, they did their thing. Um and they they went a lot of times with the other children in the house. They would go to these social functions because a lot of them were about the same age. Um, and then on church, they would go to church um, with Gertie on Sunday because she was a God fearing woman. And, oh yeah, she was. And yes, that's what she quite knew. Saint. So uh, Lester's first time Lester Lester's twenty dollar payment didn't arrive. Um, Gertie threw a temper tantrum. And screamed to the girls, I took care of you two bitches for nothing. Mm. Which is actually what I tell my children all the time. It's what I tell Dave. Uh, before forcing them to lie across her bed uh, with their skirts and underwear around their ankles, and she whipped them. Um, so she wasn't only just whipping them, she was humiliating them too, because I think well, it was sure. in front of the other kids. That doesn't say that. Yeah, but it wasn't. That would have been a nice little fun fact to put in there. I just threw it out there. Right. Uh, shortly after, uh, the parents actually came into town. Lester and Betty came into town to check on the girls. Uh, but the girls didn't say anything about the beatings. Um, and I'm sure that it, Gertie threatened them and, you know, I won't let you stay here. And by now they've, you know, established themselves. They're in school. They're yeah, going, yeah you know. and, the, and the thing, you know, one of the, the big questions that come with the, through all this is that they don't, they don't speak up very much. Through, I mean, there's a couple of times where they try to. Yeah. But for the most part, they were, you know, they were told by their parents to do what Gertrude said. Right. And they were, you know, they were trying to be good kids for, you know, for the most part. And, but it had Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. So, yeah, well, the other one, Jenny did. But Plus, anyway. they had all those sweet crackers in the closet. They didn't want to lose out on that. <laughs> 
or flipping the plate over to eat oh, yeah. on it. Exactly. I mean, that's high living. How, how are you flipping a plate over when you just got crackers? You don't even need a damn plate. Just hand them to the damn kids. So a week after their parents were there, um, Sylvia and Jenny went through the neighborhood um, collecting Coca-Cola bottles to sell back in order to get some money because they wanted candy. Yeah, I used to. I mean, you did it when you were a kid, didn't you? Collect bottles? Um, recycle. We used to go get bottles to get uh, baseballs, rubber yeah. baseballs. Uh, you get like two cents a bottle or something. We used to get a dime. In the interest of time, I'm going to go ahead and right. keep reading. Please continue. If you'd stay on point, Devil. I yeah. want Here I am. Uh, when they came home with the candy, Gertie accused them of stealing. And Sylvia, love her heart, explained how she'd gotten the candy. Gertie told her she was lying, made her bend over her bed, and whipped her with a paddle across her buttocks. I think Gertie had some kinky shit going on. I think on. she has some sexual deviancy yeah. going on there, Timmy. Gertie's. Yeah. Yeah. Shortly thereafter, um, one of Gertie's children came to her after church, after a church social, and told her that they were disgusted with the amount of food they'd seen Sylvia eating at at this church social. Yeah, because she was probably fucking starving. Well, but, she probably was. And she was free. Well, that's what I'm saying. Why else would you go to a church? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, this is a true story. I used to go. My wife used to make me go to church, and they had fellowship out between the two services. And this guy used to stop at, the, at Green Hills Bakery. They got the best donuts in the world. And the only reason my wife could talk me into going to church, because I knew I was getting a green fill between the services. So she had to treat you like Rudy. And promise you a treat before you would do what you were told. It was effective, clearly. So, anyway, so they're so they're disgusted. She yeah. was just appalled by how much you know Sylvia was eating. So uh, Gertie expressed her anger at Sylvia, and and her thing was that she didn't want Sylvia to ruin her physical appearance because Gertie was such a model of beauty and grace. Yes. Uh, but she forced the girl to eat a hot dog piled with condiments, and when Sylvia vomited, Gertrude forced her to scoop up the vomit and devour it. Ugh. That's like a Japanese porn film. Soon after, yeah. um, that's gross that. stuff there. Mm-hmm. Soon after, Les, uh, Sylvia and they call that a Roman shower when women vomit. Roman shower? Yeah, when women vomit on you. Roman shower. Ooh. Opposed, Why do you know it's a, that? It's a thing. As opposed to the golden shower. It was when someone pees on you. And the chocolate thunder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so soon after, Sylvia and Jenny's parents arrive in town again to check on the girls. Um, but per Gertrude's instructions, Sylvia made no reference to the vomit eating incident. Which I'm sorry, I don't care what you tell me. I'm telling someone. If I, I got to eat some puke, puke. I'm a, I'm a, Yeah, I'm going to write yeah. that out. Um, the incident, which appears to have precipitated, triggered, or coincided with the sharp decline of Gertrude's mental stability, occurred in August of 1965 when she overheard Sylvia remark that she had once allowed a boy to feel her up. Oh. No. And, and, and I don't even think she did. Uh, the, the, the part, um, I read that, like, the, uh, the other girl, Paula, was bragging about kissing a boy and she kind of, you know, she was kind of bragging, well, what have yeah. you done with the boy and all that? So she kind of was trying to up one upper. Yeah. And she said, well, I let, you know, this guy fill me up. Well, that did not go over well with Gertrude. No. 
Um, so, do you remember back in the day they used to call first base, second base, third base? Yeah, I'm telling you what, dude. When you put your hand on a woman's thigh and those the legs just start moving just a little bit, you know you're home free. Oh, you're you're in. Yeah. Oh, you think we can't read women? Oh, we know. Fuck. Oh, come on. You was it? How you went to the drive-in when you was in high school? Oh, sweetie, no. Because I graduated high school in this century. <laughs> so we didn't have Did the drive-in. Did you graduate this century? <laughs> no, I was last century. That was last century. Well, well, you know what I've always I didn't have a drive-thru when we were in high school. There was no drive-in. Okay, there was no, no drive-in. drive-in. So this is a question that actually I've wondered quite a bit. Now, your father, he is a um, proud policeman, uh-huh. loyal public servant, uh-huh. um, one of our good men in blue. Yes. And he, and you, I'm sure, on more than one occasion, was caught fornicating in a car. Okay, you no, know, but police that's all right. Tapping the flashlight no. against your window. No, but okay. Um, was that, did that hurt his career? Okay, well, I've said no four times. Were you ever worried to be a, did you, were you held to a higher standard than other kids because of your father's position? Probably. But it didn't stop you from doing all the sodomist stuff you were doing. Oh my god! Yeah. All right. So they came to town. Probably why she turned to lesbianism. It <laughs> might have been. Yeah. <clears throat> no, the, dealing with the two of you would make me turn to lesbianism. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. So, so Gertie accused Sylvia of being a prostitute and informed the rest of the house that Sylvia was pregnant because she had let a boy touch her vagina. Oh, you gotta be careful when you touch it. When you touch a vagina, you gotta be careful. Well, but here's the thing. Maybe that's how Gertrude keeps getting knocked up and she's not exactly sure how this works. <laughs> maybe, that's uh-huh. why, maybe that's why she's got sex pregnant seventeen times. Yeah. She's not times. sure how it works. Well let me tell you, you gotta be careful when you touch a vagina. Sometimes they touch your back, <laughs> Those vaginas with teeth, and I'm <laughs> telling you, what do we say? Less than it's less than one percent right. that have teeth. Yeah. But you run into a vagina with teeth, oh, 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 oh. it can ruin your whole night. Okay, so Gertrude attacked Sylvia and kicked her in her baby maker. Uh, (laughs) Gertrude's a real So she felt her up, She's a bitch. I was going to use a C word. Yeah, she's a bitch. Um, Although I am, uh, I would be justified in using the C word for this lady. Absolutely. But you're a renaissance man. I'm a renaissance man. I would not say such thing because you're a man of God. And I'm a man of, yeah, I'm a man of the club. You're a man of something. Now, I'm from a lesbian here. She probably used that term. Go ahead and say it. Go call. (laughs) You're you're the one. You ain't got no souls. Call it. Say what? Say I'm not the one being blasphemous here. So let's just (laughs) not, let's not throw stones out of that cathedral of glass. How about that? All right. So, uh, Gertrude, oh. Uh, when Sylvia attempted to sit down afterwards, Paula threw her out of the chair and informed her, you ain't fit to sit in chairs. Ain't fit to sit. Yep. And from then on, Gertrude only allowed Sylvia to sit in a chair with permission. Around this time... That's a good rule. Gertrude also began allowing her older children to use Sylvia as sort of a living plaything, with the games ranging from beatings to being pushed down the stairs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what did they call that game? Push down the stairs? Let's go play push down the stairs. So I mean, like, I mean it's, uh, she gets the whole neighborhood involved, too. That, well, here we go. Uh, the day after Gertie kicked Sylvia in the crotch, according to Jenny, as an act of vengeance, 
Sylvia and Jenny told their classmates that they'd seen Paula and Stephanie, and Stephanie was Gertie's second oldest daughter, right. having sex in, with boys in exchange for money. Oh. Okay, so here's my other question. So you know this little girl is going to school beat to hell. You see her. How do these teachers not going, well, you know what? Well, that was back before and people got all well, nosy in your well, I tell you what. But still. There's a lot of people that fell in here. The, the teachers. Mean, their parents. The, their parents, neighbors, the police, children's services. I mean. Yeah, everybody. Everyone fell in this little girl. So when Stephanie's 15-year-old boyfriend, Coy Hubbard, discovered that what Sylvia and Jenny had said uh, he came over to Gertie's house and beat Sylvia. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that Gertie. makes sense. From then on, Hubbard, encouraged by Gertie, made frequent visits to the Banazuski ben, home, during which she would instruct the boy to practice his judo on Sylvia. Sure, why not? Seeing how she could turn the neighborhood children against Sylvia, Gertie got Sylvia's best friend, a 13-year-old named Anna Sisko, alone long enough to convince her that Sylvia had been telling boys at school that Anna's mother was a whore. Gertrude then took Anna home to see Sylvia, and she directed Anna in a violent attack on the girl. I mean, they're just, fo- I mean, they just got, she's focused like a laser beam on that. They're bringing every kid in the neighborhood and to beat the shit out of this Yeah, there's girl. a lot wrong with this. Um, it, when, I, when I grew up, and I, I think I told you guys this, but when there was a, when I grew up, it was this family that lived in the neighborhood, and there was mostly, I think they were all girls, mostly girls, and they they always had to have an enemy, and they was always pissed off at somebody, and then they like all would focus on them, and they tried to get the whole neighborhood to focus on them. Now I didn't go to that extreme where they were beating them, but. That's the kind of mentality that was right. going on here in this. It's, you know, it was a poor neighborhood, working class neighborhood in Indianapolis. We had a kid named David Betts when mm-hmm. I was growing up, and and David was kind of a, I don't know, he was just one of those kids who lent himself to being a, to being bullied because he was kind of an asshole mm-hmm. just all the time. But it was probably from being picked on and whatnot. And he lived on my street, and I always tried to be nice to the kid. Because that's what you're known for, is your banana. It is. Mm-hmm. So we're like sophomores in high school. He cuts through my yard. My stepdad tells him, don't be climbing over that fence. It's, it wasn't a chain link fence. It was kind of like one of the garden type fences. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're going to tear it all up. This boy looked at my, father, my stepfather and said, mm-hmm. fuck you. That's why he got the shit beat out of him. I chased him all the way up the street. Then I got within about a foot of him. And you know how when you was running and kids and you trip another kid? Mm-hmm. I got a foot behind him and whacked his foot. He went flying, scraped his whole face up on the concrete, then made him go back down and apologize to my stepdad. That's a harrowing tale. Yes. No, that was Colonel Justice. Okay, so <laughs> soon after, Gertrude told one of Paula's friends, a girl named Judy Drake, that Sylvia had been spreading rumors about her mother and pitted the girls against each other in evidently some kind of cage match. Yeah, this house that they're living in is just like a, a meeting spot for all the kids in the neighborhood, apparently. Well, because there's no rules there, clearly. Right, right, right. Well, and, you know, and obviously Gertrude has some mental issues because who gets that involved in, you know... Yeah. I don't know. I don't, in, 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 uh, yeah, in your 
and your kids. kids. Oh, hell, give social on. gossip and all yeah. that kind of give stuff. Get on YouTube. Look at the mamas up at the school well, fighting other it, women. And yeah, no, they're stupid. This was back in the day. But, I mean, this is like bullying to the extreme. Right. Uh, during the fight, Gertrude ordered Jenny to punch her sister. When Jenny refused, Gertrude began to beat her in the face with her fist. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Until Jenny finally agreed to punch Sylvia. In August of 1965, the vacant house next door to the to Gertie and her brood uh, was purchased by a middle-aged couple named Phyllis and Raymond Vermillion. Phyllis, seeing the number of children <clears throat> Gertie cared for, believed that she would make a good babysitter for her two young children. Uh, she probably wanted to check it out before she committed to something And that like she that. would be helping Gertrude out by paying her for her services. So, you know, they're yeah. givers. Cause, yeah, because they want, <clears throat> need 11 kids yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, the Vermillions arranged a backyard barbecue so that the two families could get to know one another. During the course of the barbecue, Phyllis noticed Sylvia wandering around the yard with a pronounced black eye. Paula proudly announced to Phyllis... Paula proudly announced to Phyllis that she was the one who'd given it to her. The daughter, yeah, Gertrude's daughter. Then, under Gertrude's supervision... Paula approached Sylvia with a glass of steaming water and threw it in Sylvia's face. No! Not the steaming water in the face. Poor little girl. Neither of the Vermillions reported the incident to authorities. That's what I mean. Yeah, so they're culpable at this point. Yeah. Uh, But changed their mind about hiring Gertrude as a babysitter. There you go. Yeah, that would... uh, Now, how old is a girl at this point? She's 16. She's 16. 16 16 now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Two months later, Phyllis went to Gertrude... Gertie's home to borrow something. Uh, over the course of the few minutes she was there, she noticed Sylvia wandering around in a daze with swollen lips and a black eye that had swollen shut. To demonstrate how this had happened, Paula took her belt off and began to beat Sylvia with it Holy in shit. front of Phyllis. And again, Phyllis did not call the authorities. Yeah, that's just a shame. <sighs> Shortly after this incident, Sylvia came home from school and told Gertrude that she needed a sweatsuit for gym class. Uh, Gertie told Sylvia that they couldn't afford one, and Sylvia went ahead and stole one from school. And when Gertie uh, re- questioned Sylvia about it, um, Sylvia lied, and then but eventually she got a confession from Sylvia. Um, and then inexplicably from that. <clears throat> Gertie went from the topic of this stupid sweatsuit 
to the topic of Sylvia being a prostitute. How she can... she put she pieced together that when you Sylvia had probably sold herself to the gym DJ to get a uniform. Well, wow. Look at her. She's like fucking Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Uh, she threw Sylvia onto the ground where she repeatedly kicked her in the crotch oh. before once more returning to the topic of theft to cure Sylvia of her sticky fingers. Well, why did she kick her in the fingers? Gertrude burnt the tips of each of Sylvia's fingers oh. with, a lit, with a lit cigarette. Ugh. Soon afterwards, she made Sylvia bend over while she whipped her with a belt, once again exposing Sylvia's naked buttocks to the other children, including the boys. Now, she's 16 years old at this time. This yeah. Is, this is becoming uh, a deviant sexual thing now. Mm-hmm. When Gertrude saw the boys looking in interest, she accused Sylvia of sexually teasing the boys and beat her harder. Uh, after this incident, the smokers in the in Gertie's house began arbitrarily putting their cigarettes out on Sylvia's body as a reminder for her not to steal. Yeah, so all these kids coming over to their house to smoke because, you know, like you said, they get, anything goes. Then. Right. Well, clearly. And they're using her as a human ashtray, basically. Uh, sometime later, Sylvia went out again to sell old soda, soda bottles for money. When she returned home, Gertie again accused her of prostitution. Gertrude took her into the living room of her home and forced Sylvia to strip naked in front of her sons and several neighborhood boys on the threat of beating Jenny. Once Sylvia Sylvia was fully naked, Gertrude handed her a glass Coca-Cola bottle and forced Sylvia to masturbate with it for the boys. Now this was... I'm thinking this back in the days when there was a little 8-ounce bottles. Uh, 1965, I don't know. Not that this makes it any better, but I'm, you know. You're trying. I'm trying, yeah. Following the Coke bottle. Well, because we'll get to something later in the story that doesn't doesn't make sense to me. None of this makes sense to me. Um, Following the Coke bottle incident, Sylvia became incontinent. Uh, And as a result, Gertrude decided that she was no longer fit to live with the humans and locked her in the basement. The lack of toilet in the basement forced Sylvia to defecate and urinate on the floor. When Gertrude saw this, she began a bathing regime to clean Sylvia, whom she began calling Dirty Girl. The regime consisted of filling Gertrude's clawfoot bathtub with scalding water, binding Sylvia's wrists and ankles, and then dunking Sylvia in it. The regime was administered arbitrarily, sometimes once or many times a day, sometimes not at all. Following the baths... Paula would rub handfuls of salt all over Sylvia's nude body. Jesus Christ. During this period, Gertrude took on 14-year-old Ricky Hobbs, a neighborhood boy, as her personal assistant when dealing with Sylvia. There's there's uh, rumors that... I read the prosecutor who believed that Hobbs, this 14-year-old, and Gertrude had, yeah, had, had, an affair. had a sexual yeah. thing going on. Gertrude was just a sexual sadist, is what she was. She was. Okay. Hobbs was an honor student from a middle-class family with no previous legal troubles. He experienced a sudden shift in personality upon becoming Gertrude's assistant, blindly following whatever orders she gave him. Police have speculated that the 14-year-old Hobbs was Gertrude's lover and that she had seduced the boy into becoming her henchman. Meanwhile... Ben Zadusky's children turned Sylvia into a money-making opportunity. 
They would charge the neighborhood children a nickel to gawk at the nude Sylvia or to push her down the stairs to the basement where she was now kept when not being bathed or put on display. Yeah, the the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. I mean, the kids are fucking warped, too. She, it's like Lord of the Flies. It's like Lord of the... That's what I was just thinking, Lord of the Flies. It's an, Except there's an adult involved. She was she was kept constantly naked and rarely fed. Uh, when she was allowed to eat, it was in some bizarre fashion, such as being forced to eat soup with her fingers. Often, Gertrude and her 12-year-old son, John Jr., would make Sylvia clean the basement by allowing her to eat her own feces and gave Sylvia a container in which she, she could collect her urine, which she was then made to drink. Oh, for Christ's sake. Sometime around this period, Jenny managed to send contact to her and Sylvia's older sister, Diana, who was married and had a family of her own. Jenny outlined the horrors that she and Sylvia were experiencing and instructed Diana to contact the police and come <clears> rescue <throat> them. Diana ignored the letter, simply believing that Jenny was displeased and being punished and that she was making up stories so she could come and live with her. Also around this time, one of the neighborhood children who had been seen, who had been by to see Sylvia, a 12-year-old named Judy Duke, went went home and told her mother they were beating and kicking Sylvia. The girl's mother replied that that's what happened when someone was being punished. Uh, I mean, like all the adults are, uh, they're finding, you know, if they had acted on it, Right. They got information. They're just not doing it. You know, they think it's a normal punishment. Eventually, Sylvia's older sister, Diana, did come by to visit her sisters. Gertrude refused to allow her in the home, at first telling her that Lester had contacted her and instructed her not to allow Diana in the home. When Diana questioned this, Gertrude threatened to call the police and have her arrested for trespassing. Diana hid nearby the house until she spotted Jenny outside and then approached her. Jenny told her older sister that she was not allowed to talk to her and then ran away. Concerned, Diana contacted social services. When a social worker arrived at home, Gertrude informed her that she had kicked Sylvia out of the home for being physically unclean and a prostitute, and that Sylvia had since run away. Gertrude then managed to get Jenny alone long enough to inform her that if she told the social worker the truth, Jenny would join her sister naked in the basement. Damn. Jenny then told the social worker that Sylvia had indeed run away. The social worker returned to her office, where she was fi- where she filed a report stating that there were no more calls needed to be made at Gertie's home. Another point where people just dropped the ball. Well, this all this all comes to a head in October 1965. Gertrude tells the children to bring Sylvia up from the basement and tie it to a bed. She tells Sylvia if she can hold a bladder through the night, she'll be permitted to sleep upstairs again. Now, remember, uh, from the Coke bottle thing, Sylvia's become incontinent. Right. Now, when Gertrude checked Sylvia in the morning, discovered she had wet the bed, she made a dress, took her into the living room, where she once again was forced to perform a strip tease for her sons and the neighborhood boys, which... Climax by Gertrude forcing Sylvia to masturbate with a Coke bottle again. Mm-hmm. So this this woman, I mean, she's one of the sickest women I think we've had on here because most of them just kill people. 
they, you know what I mean? They, yeah. they torture or if them. They, or, they or, or, or if they torture them, it's a short period of time. It's a short period of time, and they kill them. And this poor girl. So, anyway, when she was finished, she allowed Sylvia to dress. But then Gertrude got a crazy moment again, started bringing up Gertrude's lies, and said, You branded my daughter, so I'm going to brand you. She was talking about the lies she said, accused her of saying about Paula and Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Sylvia was forcibly stripped naked, tied down, gagged, while one of the B-boys, Banzowalskis, heated a sewing needle with a series of matches. When the needle was orange, Gertrude used it to carve and burn the letter I and part of the letter M into Sylvia's stomach. She then instructed the young Ricky Hobbs to continue carving to spell out the phrase, I'm a prostitute and proud of it. At one point, Hobbs had to stop and ask Gertrude how to spell prostitute. Gertrude wrote it down on a piece of paper and the carving and burning just recommenced. I think they should have looked at him, reevaluating him as an honor student. <laughs> yeah. When the process was finished, the tattoo, which was really a, a burning, um, left behind, was um, such that modern plastic surgery would have, been, uh, would have been unable to correct it. Satisfied, Gertrude left the room, leaving Sylvia tied, gagged, and masked. At one point, Ricky, Paula, and Banceswski, his 10-year-old daughter Shirley, decided to give Sylvia another tattoo, an S inside the middle of a, in the middle of a chest. The three later became confused as to whether they had intended the S to stand slave. Ricky burned the bottom curve of the S into Sylvia, and he either chuckled or changed his mind because he didn't order Jenny. He told Jenny to come over and do it the top half. Although threatened, Jenny refused. Ricky relented and ordered Shirley to finish the tattoo. The 11-year-old choked, not choked her, but I mean mm-hmm. she just choked, mm-hmm. and accidentally carved the curve backwards yeah, so, so that the number three a, yeah. appeared on her chest, not an S. And, you know, if, if you are so inclined, the photos of this is on online. Yeah, it's pretty goddamn it gruesome. gruesome. Yeah. Um, now, Gertrude walks in and says, what are you going to do now, Sylvia? You can't get married. You can't undress in front of everyone. What are you going to do now? Now, Coy Hubbard, he took Sylvia back to the basement where he used her for judo practice for a period before returning home. So the girl just got branded, and then Coy decides, oh, I'll use her as a kicking dummy. Well, in the middle of the night, um, Jenny snuck down into the basement, and Sylvia told him, I'm going to die. I can tell. And shortly after that visit, Gertrude inexplicably went into the basement and brought Sylvia upstairs and allowed her to sleep in one of the beds. She would do that occasionally, like she would show a little bit of a, a little mm-hmm. bit of humanity toward her just mm-hmm. once in a while. She was allowed to sleep until noon of the next day when uh, Banaswowski woke her. Once Sylvia was awake, Gertrude and Stephanie took her into the bathroom and gave her a warm, soapy bath. After the bath, Gertrude and Paula dressed Sylvia, dictated a letter to her, intended to look like a runaway for her parents. Now, for reasons we don't know, um, Bannister, Banzowowski, dictated that Sylvia open the letter, Dear Mr. and Mrs. Likens. 
which is you your know, parents. Yeah, a little yeah. silly to be writing your parents that way. Right. Um, and he told her to write, I went with a gang of boys in the middle of the night, and they said they would pay me if I would give them something, so I got in the car, and they all got what they wanted. And when they got finished, they beat me up and left sores on my face and all over my body. And they also put on my stomach, I'm a prostitute and proud of it. I have done just about everything I could do to make Gertie mad and cause Gertie more money than she's got. Poor Gertie. Yeah, poor Gertie. I've tore up a new mattress and peed on it. I've also cost Gertie doctor bills, which she can rarely pay, and I make Gertie a nervous wreck. Just as strangely as Gertie's Gertrude's insistence on the formal salutation, she instructed Sylvia not to sign it. After Sylvia finished the letter, Gertrude, became formu- Gertrude began to formulate a plan to have John Jr. and Jenny take Sylvia to a nearby garage dump and leave her there to die. When Sylvia overheard this, uh, she ran to the front door. But in an emaciated, mutilated state, she moved pretty damn slowly. And Gertrude, her skinny ass, was able to grab her just as she reached the front door and drag her back into the house. Once Gertrude settled Sylvia down, she took her to the kitchen and made some toast. Sylvia attempted to eat the toast, but she couldn't swallow. Gertrude took took down the curtain rod in the kitchen and beat Sylvia in the mouth with it, because she couldn't swallow the toast. John then took Sylvia into the basement, tied her up where Banzowski prepared to play the crackers for Sylvia. When he offered the crackers to Sylvia, Sylvia replied, feed it to the dog. He, it's hungrier than I am. So she was, I, I think she was becoming a little defiant at that point. She mm-hmm. figured, fuck this. What have I got to lose? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is that they threatened, she was trying to protect her younger sister who had, you know, had polio because they would threaten, not only would they threaten Jenny, but they would threaten Sylvia. They would threaten to beat Jenny to Sylvia and mm-hmm. she didn't just kind of go along with it. So anyway, Gertrude then repeatedly punched Sylvia in the stomach before leaving her in the basement. The next day, Gertrude came into the basement and attempted to bludgeon Sylvia. First, she tried to hit her with a chair, but missed and broke it against the wall. Next, she tried to beat her over the head with a paddle, but swung in a big wide arc and it came down against her own face, blacking her eye. That's cool. Yeah. Now, to stop this strange show, Hubbard stepped in and beat Sylvia unconscious with a broomstick. Really oh, good guy. Yeah, over the course of the night. Honor student. Yeah. Um, and into the morning hours of October 25th, Sylvia beat the basement floor with the scoop portion of an iron shovel. Next door neighbors reporting um, would report considering calling the police, but nah. chose not to. Nah. October 26th, Gertrude voiced her intentions to give Sylvia a warm bath. Stephanie and Ricky brought Sylvia upstairs, laid her in the tub fully clothed. They took her out shortly after and then realized she was not breathing. Gertrude instructed the children to take Sylvia's body to the basement and strip it naked. <clears throat> she then told Hobbs to go to a nearby payphone and call the police because they didn't have a phone in that house. When mm. the police arrived, Gertrude gave them the letter. And uh, Jenny whispered to one of the police, get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. 
This statement, combined with the police's discovery of Sylvia's body in the basement, prompted the officers to arrest Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, John, Hobbs, and Hubbard for murder. Other neighborhood children present at the time, Mike Monroe, Randy Leppard, Dukes, and Cisco, were arrested for injury to a person. Gertrude, her children, Hobbs, and Hubbard were held without bail pending trials. Charges against some of the neighborhood children were dismissed. Stephanie's lawyer got her <clears throat> a separate trial before it was able to begin. The district attorney dropped the murder child. Meanwhile, an autopsy of Sylvia Likens turned up over 100 cigarette burns on her okay. body. In addition to various second and third degree burns, severe bruising, muscle and nerve damage, and a death throes, Sylvia bit through her lips nearly severing each of them. Now, this is what I don't get. This seems strange to me. Her vaginal cavity was nearly swollen shut, although an examination of the canal determined that her hymen was still intact. Yeah, maybe with the bottles. I don't know. Maybe she didn't. Largely discrediting, along with um, any lack of any ripping attempt to erect them, Gertrude's assertion that she was a prostitute and disproving her innocence that she was her insistence that she was pregnant. But how is she? And, and this is confusing to me because she's forced to masturbate with these coke bottles so vigorously that right. she becomes incontinent. But the hymen was still intact. I mean, I, I sometimes I it just it just happens. You can never tell what's going to break it, and you can never really tell. You know, some people, some women's hymen breaks when they. You know, or the old cliche if they ride a horse or they're riding a bike mm-hmm. or playing sports or anything like that. Um, it is a little bit elastic. So, you know, it's not like it's a like a ring. I mean, it's it's a little bit elastic. And these weren't exceptionally, uh, back in the old days, these weren't really big, big bottles. Right. I mean, not that that's I'm the saying only thing this I would be pleasant, but that's just, the only yeah. thing, yeah. The official cause of death was brain swelling, internal hemorrhaging of the brain, and shock. Um, the case of the state versus Gertrude, John, Paula, Ricky. Banikowski. It boy, is hot. Banikowski. Banisowski. Banizowski. Uh, the process, they, they, they were after the death penalty for everybody, including John and Hobbs, who were 13 and 14 at the time. They should have. <clears throat> I mean, they considered this shit so heinous. The fuck the thirteen-year-old put his ass in the chair. It it, it is. It's awful. Oh, I'd I'd strap those some bitches on each other's lap. But uh, Paula's time in court had uh, was interrupted when she was rushed to the hospital, gave birth to another child. No, that Paula. I mean Paula. Paula's time Paula's in the court. Boy. Paula's yeah. the kid. Yeah, the daughter, was daughter. interrupted. Gertrude's daughter. When she was rushed to the hospital to give birth to another child. She was, she was a whore. That was her only <laughs> child, though. No, she was the... I mean, she was... Paula? Yeah. Paula didn't have a kid before, did she? No, no, no. So no. this was her first child. Right. This right. she was the one that they were saying, no, she's not a whore, she doesn't have sex. Right, right, right. She was the one... Oh, well, it turns out she's a knocked up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, Gertrude's attorney attempted to shift blame onto the children. Um... They were just uh, 
Yeah, which and, is kind of a fucked up. Thing yeah, and he, there's videotape of Gertrude saying, you know, basically, you know, I, I couldn't control them. I couldn't, you know, they were just they were just beating her up. She she couldn't she wouldn't keep her mouth shut, and she got in fights with people. And, I, and there's nothing I could do about it. No, it was yeah. Her, you know. And the the most damaging testimony against Gertrude was her own self incrimination. She recounted bizarre tales of Sylvia being a neighborhood prostitute and her trice with middle-aged men, as well as accusing her of uh, frequently starting fights in the home. The Paula, the one who got pregnant, she was pregnant by a middle-aged married man. Seventeen. Now, here's where we get to the Perry Mason All right. moment. To corroborate Gertrude's testimony, 11-year-old Marie was called to the stand. One of the younger... One of the younger children. Youngest daughter, I think. Initially, Marie backed up everything her mother had said, until during cross-examination, she suddenly felt the spirit of the Lord come into her to tell the truth mm. and blurted out, God help me! God help me! Now she started crying, didn't she? Before admitting that everything she said was a lie and then went on to recount in graphic, blunt, gory detail how her mother and siblings had tortured and murdered Sylvia. This young girl's shocking turn against her own family was largely largely responsible for the verdict. Gertrude was found guilty of first-degree murder. To the shocking citizens of Indiana, Indianapolis, she did not receive the death penalty, but rather life imprisonment. Now, Banzowski, without the possibility of parole, of course, Banzowski was convicted of second-degree murder. Paula was. Mm-hmm. She appealed, was granted a new trial, but before it began, struck a plea bargain and pled guilty to voluntary manslaughter. She served Timmy three years in prison. See, yeah, and she might have been probably she. I mean, uh, uh, next to Gertrude, she was probably the biggest instigator. Yeah, she was the guilty. She, I mean, she was jealous of her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now Paula got two to twenty-one years, but. In spite of attempting a prison break, was paroled in 1972 and released completely in 74. She changed her name to Paula Pace and wasn't heard from again until 2012 when she was discovered living in the small Iowa hamlet of Marshalltown and working for the school system. She was probably Jesus. one of those cafeteria lunch ladies. Um, you know, she had the mean ones. F- yeah, had the net. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Pace and Benzowski, God. the mother of two grown sons, wasn't charged with any additional crimes, but was fired for her jobs for providing false information on her employee application. Since then, she's, uh, she's kind of slipped off the grid there. Mm. Now, Stephanie, the second oldest of the children, she was 15 at the time of the crime. She admitted to everything. Um, she, This is what's happened to him after. Mm-hmm. She changed her name, married, had children, worked as a teacher, and now lives in Florida, which would explain why Florida's so fucked up. They got teachers like her. It would. Yeah. You know, well, let's get to this at the end. Um, The third oldest of the Banzowski children, an active participant in Sylvia's torture, John was was 12 when he died. John was convicted of manslaughter. He became... He was 12 when Sylvia died, you mean? I'm sorry, Timmy, I misread that. It was yeah. 12 when she died. Yeah. John was convicted of manslaughter. He became the Indiana State Reformatory's youngest inmate and most popular inmate, serving just two years before being released uh, with an anus the size of a cantaloupe, Timmy. Sweet. Um, nice. 
He changed his name to John Blake, drifted aimlessly before experiencing a religious epiphany that, he said, helped him see the error of his ways. So this man found the spirit of the Lord, too, just like you can for $14.95 a month. So allegedly, the only member of the band Zawowski clan to show any remorse for his deeds, John this is, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he made no attempt to hide his past and even spoke on it publicly on occasion. Reportedly a lay minister and real estate agent with a wife and three children, he died of cancer in 2005 at the age of 52. In a, in a masterpiece understatement, he once told a reporter, my mom was a very selfish, self-centered woman. <laughs> now, Marie, Bales, Marie, she was the fourth oldest of the children. She was 11 when the torture took place. No charges were brought during her. She testified. She's the one that broke on um, the And she oh, broke no. on the yeah. stand, yeah. and that's what caused everything to go to hell. Now, surely she was the fifth oldest of the Benza Whiskey children. She was the youngest of the family to act- actively participate in the torture. Although the 10-year-old heated a needle that was used to burn the victim, she was never charged with any crimes. <clears throat> Her whereabouts today are unknown. Now, Dennis Lee Wright, he was one of the neighbor kids. The youngest, of, No, he was the youngest of the children. Mm-hmm. Dennis was a newborn when, fam- when Sylvia met her fate. He was the son of Gertrude Love. Uh, yeah, the young guy that she was, the um, 23-year-old dude that she was growing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He was a son of his, of his father, Dennis Lee Wright Sr., yeah, right. Who abandoned the family shortly after his namesake's birth. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Supposedly, he was placed in foster care and was later adopted by the White family, the name being White, not the race, um, who changed his name to Danny Lee White, and he died in 2012 in California. Yeah, I mean, he was a baby at the time, so he had nothing yeah. to do with Now, Corey Hubbard, he was a douchebag. Um, he was a neighborhood kid. And Stephanie's boyfriend, Hubbard, was a full participant in Sylvia's torture. His contributions included using her as a practice dummy for judo flips and punches and shoving her down the basement steps. He was convicted of manslaughter, and the little rap fuck only served two years before being released. Oddly, Hubbard never changed his name and reportedly remained in the Indianapolis area most of his life. He, and that, they let the motherfucker go. He was tried for another murder in 1982, but acquitted. We yeah. need to hunt him down, Timmy. Okay, continue. He also reportedly lost his job in 2007 when the movie An American Crime about yeah. the Sylvia Likens case debuted. Ah, oh, fuck, he died that year in Shelbyville. We could have done some colonel justice yeah. on his ass. Most of these folks are gone. Um, another neighborhood kid who tortured Sylvia Hobbs performed the infa- infamous act of helping crave the words, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, into his stomach with a large needle. He was the uh, honor student. Yeah. yeah. Um, this task was begun by Gertrude, but when she became too fatigued to finish, because she was it's a lazy exhausting. bitch, yeah, yeah, Hobbs stepped in. Now, the motherfucker couldn't spell prostitute, but he could, you know, he was... He was an honest dude. Mm-hmm. Convicted of manslaughter, he served a short two-year sentence. What in the fuck? These motherfuckers are getting two-year sentences. I hope they got their asses. Yeah. Wore out while they was in prison, though. Uh, by the time now 17-year-old Howes was released, the severity of his crimes had sunk in, and he suffered a nervous breakdown. 
He began a regimen of heavy chain smoking, which had severely decayed his lungs by the time he was 20. By the time he was 21, he died of lung cancer. I hope that some bitch suffered. That's pretty young to die of lung cancer. Oh, yeah. He must be really smoking. Sylvia's father was a carnival worker who decided to leave his kids with the third party um, while him and his wife Betty were on the road. His only crime was that he didn't vet them very well. Um, we yeah, got to that's talking. An, that's an yeah, he said, we got to talking, he and Gertrude. And she said she would take care of the children and treat them like her own, he, he recalled at the trial. Lester apparently believed her, because during several subsequent trips to the house, the last on October 5th, just weeks before his daughter's death, he noticed nothing out of order. Now, the girl was beat all the time. How could you not notice yeah. anything out of order? Or maybe you don't want to notice it. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's true. Well, I mean, did he actually see this girl? Yeah. It, it, I did don't he know. see Sylvia? That's I don't well, know. It said he only entered the living room and once the kitchen. He yeah. died in February 2013 at the age of 86 in Fontana, California. Now, Betty Likens. The mother. She was mother. just devastated by, uh, it says, visibly devastated. Sylvia's mother gave only short responses on the witness stand at the trial. She divorced Lester in 1967, remarried, and died in uh, 1998. Diana, her her sister, Sylvia's older sister. Yeah. Sylvia's older sister. Sylvia's older sister. Who finally got a hold of the. Tried to. Yeah, Children's Services, Protective Services, right? In the midst of the ordeals. Sylvia's sister, Jenny, who was also boarded there, um, reportedly called her older sister, Diana, for help. Believing that the girls were simply grumbling, Diana initially ignored the, ignored the plea. But her suspicions were raised when Gertrude would not let her in the house for a visit. She then spotted Jenny, who said she wasn't allowed to talk to her, and ran away. Right. Diana contacted social services, but when a worker showed up at the house... Jenny told her, on threat of punishment from Gertrude, that Sylvia had run away. Didn't I read that part? Yeah, he's just recapping yeah. about Diana and who Diana was. So anyway, Diana made headlines recently when she and her husband, Cecil Knutson, both diabetics, <laughs> got lost in the California backcountry and were stranded in their car for two weeks with nothing to sustain them but rainwater, a pie, some oranges. Knutson didn't survive the ordeal, dying of a heart attack after the first week. Diana, near death, was re- discovered and rescued. No. I guess diabetes gave him a heart attack? I don't know. But, I mean, you know, again, she she didn't act immediately, but at least that she at least she tried, you know, Diana. Now, Jenny, um, perhaps because she was crippled by polio, Jenny didn't get the suffering that Sylvia got, but she got some. From the beginning, she had opportunities to tell neighbors what was going on, but she didn't because she feared that uh, it would make things worse and nobody would believe her. And it turns out that was true. Turns out that's pretty yeah. much true. One of the enduring mysteries of this case is why neither she nor Sylvia sought help before things escalated. It's believed that she was threatened by Gertrude, and if she did report the same thing, it's the way child molesters get by with it. If you tell anybody, they're not going to mm-hmm. believe you. Right. Or I'm going to hurt your family. Yeah. So you know, they told she told Sylvia if you you know if you I'll hurt Jenny. Yeah. So Jenny died when, at 2004 at the age of 54. Gertrude was found guilty of first degree murder and served Gertie. eight. Gertie. Gert, Dirty Gertie was found guilty of first degree murder and served 18 years. Over the course of the next 18 years, 
Gertrude became a model prisoner, working in the sewing shop, becoming a den mother to younger female inmates. Hmm, mm. I wonder what that's all about. By the time she came up for parole in 1985, she had, she had earned a prison nickname Mom. Gertrude walked out of prison on December 84, 1985, and she traveled to Iowa under the name Nadine Van Fossen. So she served, what, 18 years? 18 years. She should never have seen the light of day. She died there of lung cancer in 1990, and she never took responsibility for her crimes one time, claiming she could not remember. Ugh. So that is the gruesome tale of Sylvia Lichen. And yeah. it's uh, pretty... Uh, pretty gruesome. Yeah. And this is why I think we should abolish the death penalty, go with Colonel Justice, and send these... For fourteen ninety five a month, I would house each of these prisoners. What the hell is with you in fourteen ninety five? Well, I mean, I could build an annex to the the Colonel's Church. For, we'd have the we'd have the main church, and then prison. We'd have the Colonel's Love Palace, I mean, and then we'd have the prison where you administer tr- Colonel's justice. Where we administer Colonel's justice, we'd have hot items, <sighs> sharp items, dull uh. items, long items, blunt items. The movie American Crime is what this. Is was made based on this story. Mm-hmm. So if you ever get a chance, it's a really good movie. It's got uh, Catherine Kinnear and Ellen Page plays Sylvia Likens. Oh, she's, I was, uh, she's a wonderful. Girl. So they they do they do a really nice job with it. Um, I I when I was researching this, I researched to see if there's any podcasts on this, and there's only one podcast on this topic, and it's in Spanish. So there's not a whole lot out there in terms of podcasting on this topic. But I haven't seen the movie, but I've, I've watched a few documentaries. So there's some documentaries out on YouTube. The house where they lived in uh, was stand, was uh, was uh, just recently uh, demolished. It, it was standing as recently, I think, as 2010. And there's footage of it on YouTube where people in that neighborhood went and you know filmed it. Um, it's hard. The movie's hard to watch. Anything about this is so hard to watch. Yeah, and uh, the it, it, you know what is particularly disgusting is to see the video of interviews with Gertrude and how she just denies all, you know, she says you know, the kids were running wild and I couldn't control them and they were, you know uh, and most of the most of the uh, physical punishment that was that was done to Sylvia was done by the children. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was like at Gertrude's a, direction, right? It was a, a Charlie Manson type of thing. Sure, she didn't she didn't actually do a lot of it herself. It was, you know, like you said, right? Her direction. Terrible, terrible. Story. Well, children are children are very susceptible to children are like Play-Doh. You know, and and at that age, if you got an adult walking around beating the hell out of a kid, you know, it, it, kids are used to. I, I think you know, if Noah saw another kid getting spanked, he would think, you know, okay, that kid did something bad. Mm-hmm. But if Noah saw uh, another kid getting hit in the mouth with something, you know, a stick or whatever, even at his young age, that's so foreign to him, he would know right. that something was wrong with that. But if Noah was ten and had no other influences around him or 12 or 13 or 14 and you're 14 you got a girl that's getting stripped naked and, and this was a I mean she was a pretty girl yeah she was she's, mm-hmm. she gets stripped naked in front of you all the time and what's normal to them is to just beat and abuse and beat and abuse 
it becomes normal for you to beat and abuse. And, and for whatever and reason, she became the target. I mean, you know, she just became a, the target for Gertrude, and she just got all the kids to turn on. Like I said, I kind of seen that behavior in people before, but not to the, you know, not to that extreme. But it, it's a weird, weird thing where um, people just—it's it's bullying, it's abuse, it's. Like you said, I think Colonel, some of the sexual. I think she was a sexual sadist, is what I think she was. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. When you, I mean, she she was not much different than Ted Bundy. I mean, the shit that he did. And but like we said on those on those stories, you got someone who, and, and, and you know, we make light of those stories when we're you know serial killers and stuff. But in most of those stories, there there was a victim, and it's terrible, and it's uh, you know an awful thing that happens. But it's done and it's over with. This girl went... I mean, this went on for months. This, this girl was tortured for months um, by every, basically everyone in the neighborhood. And, and, then, uh, and, and she was... You know, everyone in that area, like you said, teachers mm-hmm. had to know. Yeah. Um, you know, Every service is complicit in this. Yeah. No one, no one uh, was there to... Uh, step in and, and help this little girl a 16 year old girl that's why you don't turn your back on little things Timmy yeah, yeah. So I don't, you, know, you two are so behind on Game of Thrones I can't stand it but for those of you that are caught up no you don't turn your back on little kids because they will children of the corn your ass no little right things right now little things oh yeah that shit's crazy okay so Brandy any final thoughts on the murder of Sylvia Likens it's disgusting yeah it's one of the rougher ones we've done uh, Colonel, any final thoughts? Um, no final thoughts, although I think that, uh, again, if we could build that third building, mm-hmm. the Colonel's... Uh, in a little compound there. The Colonel's... The Colonel's... What would we call that? The Colonel Justice Center. Um, we could have the third building. CJC. Yeah, CJC. Colonel Justice Center. Don't feed into his It'd bullshit. It'd be far from the... Um, but... We aren't to that point yet, but we do have the Colonel's Love Palace. No, yeah. we don't. Um, the Colonel's well, the Colonel's Love Den is what we call it. Uh, fourteen ninety five per month. That gives you two servicings a month with cuddling. Now, if you want to upgrade to the Platinum Package in nineteen ninety five a month, you get some foreplay. Okay, the, you might get a kiss from the Colonel, or you. We have to wrap this up. I can't have you in my office um, anymore. <laughs> uh, but one I question before we go: It came yeah. up earlier. Kangaroos happen to have three vaginas. Three girl. vaginas. You know, uh, you would think kangaroo porn would be a big thing with that. Well, the thing I, well, is, they, they will hit you. They if, hit you, you. If, if you're involved with a kangaroo, you wouldn't have to fool around on the side. No, it's all because on the side. It's, it's you could have a different one every night. It'd be you like having on. three girlfriends. You could get strange. You could get strange mm-hmm. three times in one sitting. Well, it's, but I'm not sure. I, you know, I, I'm not sure how it would be with a kangaroo. They would kick the shit out of you. That's how it would be. Well, and, and they, they box. box. And they, you know, they box. They box. And I've never seen kangaroo style. I don't know no, how I, is I, that I, from the front, the back. They jumping up. Maybe uh, Ali can check into that down there. Ali, could you tell us what kangaroo style? Why are you trying to envision what it would be like <laughs> to sleep with a kangaroo? <laughs> they got three vaginas. I think we should at least it be. You know, the 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 uh, prudent thing to do would be to at least check into it. Well, you know, three vaginas, it's like being, it's like I told somebody not too long ago. I'm ambidextrous. Yeah. You know that, Tim. Yeah. I, I do most things with the other hand. He goes both ways. And uh, the great thing about that is, is, is you know, it's, you, you never get bored. 
Timmy. Yeah. So you, you know can I mean? you can date your left hand and your right hand. You can. You can. I mean, well, because if, if, his left hand gets tired of his stories and goes to sleep. <laughs> well, <laughs> the left hand doesn't like to cuddle. <laughs> the right hand does. Okay, He's a thank, thank you, everyone, for joining us. We'll, we'll hopefully have a um, you know. A, Hopefully we'll have a much, much more lighthearted serial killer. Well, hopefully yeah, Timmy will quit going jaunting across the world. Well, yeah, how was your trip, Timmy? Tell us was, a little bit about it. It was wonderful. Clara was wonderful. She's beautiful, and we had a great time. On average, how how many times a day would you say? Oh, God, please stop. You was fornicating, stop. Timmy. I, I Make that stop. Do not fornicate and tell. Do not Between two and three, three and six. A gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. That's right. T- Timmy's gonna tell us as soon as we're off there. Yeah, you know that. Right. I, I just we'll see you next time on History Dreams. <laughs> Good day. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.